yeah, that is the love of the animals that kept me farming. Found that first and then found the love of looking after the pasture, the soil, and everything just flows rather than fighting. It's just natural and it just it works. Hello and welcome along to the Quorum Sense podcast. I'm John O'Frew and I'm excited to be here with you as we dive into exploring how New Zealand farmers are creating more resilient, regenerative and enjoyable farming systems. Hi Jono, um, um, mother and daughter combination. Carla's our, our youngest child and she's been working on the farm with me for over 20 years. 23 and a half years. 23 and a half years. Yeah, yeah we've been farmers, well I've been farming all my life, so has Carla. She, um, in fact, she didn't want to leave home. Um, she said, if I leave home, I'm taking those four-legged girls with me. And we said, no, you can't take them with you. So mm. she's had to had to stay at home. Um, got her partner now and got two children as well. So we're a multi-generation of household, household and um, mostly we get on infamously. As far as the farming goes, dairy farming all our lives, we found organics in the year 2006. We decided that we'd had a lot of a lot of a lot of a lead up to the organic side on the uh, on our own personal health side. Um, so for many years, we've sort of been looking at alternatives. Uh, I have an auntie who's a naturopath, and um, we've always grown our own vegetables, always looked after ourselves. And so we decided in 2006, no, it must be a better way to actually look after our girls and produce the best milk that we can. So we took the plunge and went certified organic straight away. We stopped all chemicals, all antibiotics, in fact, stopped the vet's visits completely just just um bang like that we didn't need them really no we didn't need them but we sort of felt that that was going to be our learning curve to actually yeah we we had to find alternatives and we went to as many Ontario um organic days and things like that as we could to pick up to pick up what everyone else was doing and we found that not one person was doing exactly the same as the other we're out on our own. We had to find all the um, all the remedies and all the answers that we were going to be looking for. So that's when it started back in 2006. And now we're, that was in the Waikato. Now we're in north of Whangarei and have been on this property for the last seven years, which we actually converted from conventional to organic. So, um, Carla. <laughs> yeah, I've been on that same journey. Um, yeah, that is the love of the animals that kept me farming. Found that first and then found the love of looking after the the pasture the soil um and everything just flows rather than fighting it's just natural and it just it works it's actually amazing the progress that you see by little like input by other you know conventional stuff and everything like that it's really good tell me about school for you and how how it wasn't for you and how farming really pulled you you know what was the pull Um, for you and what was that experience like I never really had a connection with going to school. I was not like a, I, I hated putting pen to paper. I'm a practical person. It's, that's pretty much what I've always been like. But when it came to test days and stuff like that, I was like, Ugh, freak out, can't remember anything. <laughs> so I just, yeah, so I left um, two weeks into um, sixth form, which is age 16 back then. then. And then I went to, um, did a correspondence course uh, horticulture and agriculture and then that next year I went to went and did an agriculture course at Polytech which in hindsight that actually didn't teach me anything 
especially the way that we farm now. Like uh, at the t- like looking back, thinking about what we ta- got taught, it's not it, it's not where we should be heading, and it's actually quite disturbing that they don't teach you both sides of the coin to choose. Mm, it's a, so, a monoculture of knowledge. Yeah, and the best way of learning it is being on the job too. So, was there any? disempowering conversations that you had in in leaving school at 16 and I like I wasn't a kid that thought oh I'm gonna leave my friends or anything like that I was sort of like not an outsider but I didn't that never really bothered me so I didn't get any kickback of leaving school even from the teachers or anything like that I just yeah just went on my little journey Mm. (laughs) Mm. um yeah that's basically how it felt as a whole we had to find we had to find answers like back in 2006 there wasn't a lot of answers to um uh yeah how to treat all these animals and 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 what to do so we were searching for answers all the time and that's when we sort of actually were introduced to homeopathy um tenica bedard and uh, she said there's anything you you need give us a call and i'll be able to help you and um, she was the she was the light at the end of the tunnel because um, having just decided we're going to go organic and uh, all of a sudden sick animals yeah well, how are we going to deal with this and then um, yeah into homeopathy we went and the actual um, the lingo the names of all these solutions and that I thought my God I'm never going to get never going to say them never going to remember them Veronia Hepasolf Chelidonium um you name it they were really really strange porogenium um to name just a few together we learned with Tenika anything we'd we'd get a sick animal we'd bring up to her in Hamilton and um she'd tell us over the phone what remedy was was the best and um how we go about it well that was way back 2006 7 8 huge learning curve together we we figured it out yeah Yeah, now we don't really call them at all we just call them for more product (laughs) So you're successfully treating common associated illness, i.e., I mean, you didn't say the words, but I'm guessing things like mastitis with mm-hmm. homeopathy. Yep. yep. Even, even black mastitis as well. We haven't used antibiotics on black mastitis cows for many years. And the homeopathic treatments are treating black mastitis. Yeah. Yeah, we actually... Um, over the years, I think we've had about six or seven of them, you know, just the odd one here, there and everywhere. And for the first few years, yeah, okay, we'd get the vet and come out with penicillin, but they'd all die. They'd all die completely. Like they'd lose their ardor, but they'd all die in the meantime. And um, then we got onto homeopathy and we treated the first one with um, porogen, nux vomica. We actually chucked the kitchen sink at them, Any, anything that we felt was appropriate. Mm. And um, and they were living and they weren't sulking under the tree. Like they were these, still eating. They were still eating. Yeah, like the, yeah, the best remedy is the nux vomica, gunpowder, porogen. And, and every hour, hour on the hour, give them that treatment until it's, they, the animal feels a bit better and the temperature comes down. They come right. They they did come right, but they still lost their udder, but they were still, they were works material in the end, but they were alive. They didn't die and they didn't sulk. They always wanted to drink. They always wanted to eat. Whereas mm. each time we got the vet, the poor animal would be sitting under the tree and yeah, just too sore to yeah. move. Um, and we've actually successfully um, helped four animals through, um, through black mastitis with homeopathy since 2006. 
for for you, Carla, you said you know your love for animals. That must be an incredible feeling being able to deal to something that was traditionally only able to be dealt with with like you say these chemicals that do mm. just give you these cows that you look at and they've got their head down and you know what's what's that like for you Carla just being able to do something yeah like well it's it's rewarding it's like we didn't we don't have to call anyone we've got it all at our fingertips we can help these animals feel better and yeah potentially live their life if they're not you know if they don't lose their other you know um, but yeah, penicillin just kills their system. It it doesn't allow their system to overcome this. Well, it's kind of like a toxin. It's a toxin overtaking their body, really. Um, and we're just helping their body bring bring their immunity up and help them. I want to come back to the what you said, Carla, about helping cows feel better. Is that something that you are seeing actually impacts the farm's bottom line and performance? Yeah, because it's such a foreign thing, isn't it, for us to say, you know, and, and again, I keep coming back to the, you know, the the conventional sort of field days because I spent a lot of time in those, and that sort of conversation would be just wishy washy, you know what yeah. I mean? But but really, you know, animals that feel good, like human beings, are you noticing them performing? Yeah, yeah, no, we are. Like you can, you, well, if they're happy, we're happy you know and they do show it in their production of their, you know their milk quality you can actually taste it in their milk yeah like we've been on farms that we've first season there and we, we're like oh my god their milk tastes terrible but then you know we change the fertilizers help the animals and yeah feed them properly with nutrition and their milk is amazing it's so nice what about animal handling where tell us a bit about has that been a big part of your work ethic between the two of you? Oh, we're we're a, we're a couple of girls. We're so continuously a... <laughs> talking to them. Um, like we only have a stick in our hand to sort of have that extra length in our arm. We don't beat them up or anything like that. And they talk to us. They don't mind walking past us, and we just give the cow a pat on the way past. It's a sixth sense kind of feeling when we're drafting animals out because we don't actually draft our animals out at the cow shed well you know through the winter time if we're drafting springer cows or anything like that we do it in the paddock we just walk amongst them and they know who's going to come out virtually you just it's just a sixth sense and you talk to them I remember having someone I worked for that come herd testing knew all 500 of his animals by their rear end never had to check a cow and I always thought that was fascinating and I didn't have what it took because I saw animals as numbers yeah Tell us a bit about organic dairying. So we talked a bit about homeopathy treatments for mastitis. How does mating go? Um, do you notice any changes in your experience, especially speaking to you, Janet, from converting farms from conventional to organic? Do you see an impact on your empty rates and, for instance, your six-week in calf rate? Um, we stopped artificial insemination probably about that 2007 we were noticing that some of the young stock were not as strong. Uh, we actually had three that didn't grow beyond being a calf. And we thought, now this is really strange. And so we went to keeping our own bulls out of our top producers, keeping our own bulls. And so over time, um, we've actually been on several farms, um, but uh, still practicing the organic principles. And um, 
we've noticed, you know, we could get it right down to only having one empty heifer or, or 12 or 15 out of the 180 being empty in the main herd. But we've actually noticed on this property where we are here now, um, this season that we've just come through, we actually had a huge number of empties. But we can't blame our own observational skills because we've had the bulls running. And we can't blame the bulls because they were over the heifers last year and they had a reasonable in-calf rate. So I think there's a lot of, yeah, there's something happening out there. I actually read a piece in the paper today that the Lincoln University dairy farm has had a 21% empty rate this year. And they changed uh, their milking regime from uh, to 10 and seven, whatever that might be, to actually, and hoping, we're hoping to alleviate that sort of thing, but they got huge empties. Well, we, this season we've just finished, we milked three and two for the entire season. And we were like them, expecting to get really good results as far as empties go. But um, then we've, we've actually come to the conclusion that at the beginning of November, there was a, a big wet spell and the girls just stopped cycling. And um, we've, we've actually put it down to that. So as far as organic and empties go, it's not, it's not a difference. Well, it is way. kind of though, because we used to use a lot of cedars to even get the cows mm. and calf. That's true. So, and we didn't have to after that. You know, it, it took a while to breed that out of the animals. And then eventually, yeah, it has got better. It's mm. just seasonal now. We can't predict that. And for those that are listening that perhaps don't know what cedars are, can you speak to a cedaring program a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it actually it starts with a C. Um, it's an internal device that's put into the um, dairy cow. The cow is actually treated with hormones and the vet comes out and uh, removes it. this, yeah, this device think, about three weeks later or two weeks later. I think it's only about two weeks. It's a long time ago now. Yeah, so. I, have, yeah <laughs> I can't remember it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we had um, we had huge health health bills and that was one of the one of the big expenses. God knows what it would cost now, but um, our health bills before we went organic was about 26,000 a year. And that was back in, like I say, 2005, 2006. The following year, our health bill was two and a half thousand. And has it held? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Even though we actually, um, as we've had the misfortune of going from one property to the next, we've had to sort of invest in more homeopathy to to fill it fill in the gaps but um but no it's still way down there i'd say five thousand at the most maybe six but that's all and mainly that's all the prices and stuff going up yeah. too so yeah so yeah. It's, it's probably relative tell us a bit about you know soil amendments or stimulants what what are you using what are you guys using we've actually we make our own fertilizer which is um can be seaweed and, and make our own seaweed fertilizer. Um, I use a lot of efficient microorganisms, which is EM. And um, in fact, all our fertilizers are liquid and we put them on with a four by four motorbike or Carla puts them on with it. And, and usually it's probably seven to eight times a year, each paddock will be, um, will be fertilized. We actually haven't done a lot this year because the farm just doesn't seem to have needed it. We're in year eight now, and I have heard that um, once you get past year seven, you're on the winning streak, and it certainly has shown it this year. But basically, the fertilizers are all, all 
all man-made um, uh, biodynamics. Fish fertilizer. Mm. Fish fertilizer is the handy one for spring, isn't it? Yeah, it's your nitrogen. So um, that that's about it. And we we carefully watch the soil fertility and um, soil tests each year. We do the soil test, um, keep an eye on everything, and um, yeah, the liquid the liquid fertilizers do it. It was actually um, Agrisec that put us onto liquid ferts in the in the first place. And when we started investigating agrisy and read that it had everything in it, like your, your, your selenium, your cobalt, it had everything in it, that put us on the right track to actually, yeah, going to the ocean, um, yeah. Our, our motto is give it everything, it'll take what it needs. What is it like, because you've got a young family. Yeah, yep. 2004 and a half. Have you ever had concerns because you mentioned, Janet, sort of personal health thing that had you interested in organics. Have, have you guys noticed a shift in your relationship to these tasks and especially with having young children now on the farm? Like any sort of changes in perhaps your perception and maybe peace of mind? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, it's all to do with, you know, you're working with nature and my boys are so healthy. I don't take them to the doctor. They don't need to go to the doctor. So we use homeopathy on our on ourselves as well. So we bring the farm home. What we have, the cows have, vice versa. It's yeah, like we teach it. We we have it as a one. And so often there's a massive disconnect, isn't there? Like what you do on farms, not what you do in your own veggie garden. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? And and like really what I was speaking to then was you know, how many of us, we've got young kids, but perhaps what we're doing at the time, maybe we're out spraying, oh no, you can't take the kids out there, but there's really nothing you guys are doing out there. Yeah, my boy, my four and a half year old walks around the farm in bare feet all the time, can't get gum boots on him, he's everywhere <laughs> bare feet, he even walks behind the cows and brings the cows up and talks, tears a friend at the back of the herd that he talks to, she turns around, he grabs her face and gives her a big kiss, um, <laughs> So and he's he's there with bare feet on, like he's got nothing on his feet. He's not going to be standing on any cedars that have fallen out on the track. No, no, I'm I'm afraid we don't um we don't fill the vet's pockets and we don't fill the doctor's pockets either. So um, that's about where we stand. Mm. So you're only filling your own pockets. Now that there, like, just let that sink in. We're not filling the vet's pockets and we're not filling the and this is not what I'm hearing is this is not by neglect this is just by no. there's no need That's yeah right. there's yeah there's always an alternative to your conventional way yeah I, I know that Jono you were talking um the other day I was watching you with farmer James and you were saying how much um Yoni's disease there is out there now you were seeing it everywhere. Well, we actually get it. This is the first farm we've had it on, but we get it on this farm too. And we've been able to cure them with um, using kombucha, um, which is what we drink as well, kombucha, mm. and also a baking soda. Baking soda, because the, their guts has got so acidic, um, we've decided to put in some baking soda in their water troughs to try and um, bring the alkalinity back um, to where it should be. Yeah, so baking soda. And you can butcher, yeah, get and the good butcher. bugs back in, the, in their system and in their stomach, and yeah. There you go, folks. If you didn't, that is, yeah, so not, not many people are talking about the acidity of the rumen or the acidity no. of the diet. When, yeah. Yeah. 
So what about any other any other um, treatments in trough, guys? Any other, are you using a dosatron or what are you using? It's just in the trough, um, your homeopathy. So whatever we feel is needed, um, pop it in the trough for the herd or give it to them individually. Yeah. Is that with like a dose of trough like, or do you just tip it in or? Yeah, it's like a little cat pool. Uh, it's, it's a it's, small, it's a small it's bottle. A, and uh, I think the bottle is 25 mils. 25 mil bottle? 100 mils. 100 mil bottle. Anyway, um, you can imagine a cap on that small bottle. We just tip the liquid into that cap and put it into the trough and stir it around. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so your, your treatments aren't arriving on a truck and you don't have to unload it and there's not this massive freight. <laughs> no, it's in the mail. <laughs> it's in the mail. Um, and that, that goes for milk fever. It goes for facial eczema. Um, we've got an FE no so that we put in for facial eczema. In fact, I wrote to Darian Zed when they when Darian Zed piped up and said there's no cure for facial eczema. I actually wrote them a little letter and I said yes, there is, and we're not afraid of it anymore. And we use homeopathy, which is this little cap in the trough. Um, and then if we do have some, we do get the odd one that comes through with symptoms. We cure their liver. I can say cure because it does by using another homeopathic remedy, which is chelidonium, which cleanses the liver and gets them back on the road. So now, are you still going to local field days and talking about what you're doing? There hasn't been a lot around. Um, I know, well, I'm in Northland now and we're spread far and wide, really. And um, yeah, we seem to be too busy to actually do this sort of thing. Um, there's yeah. more in the Waikato when we, where we were. There's more field days down there because they're you know, a bigger dairy community. Um, but up here, there doesn't seem to be that many. And I think um, just lately, the last few years, COVID's kind of put a damper on it all. Um, but yeah, other than that, there's not really that many up yeah. here. And, and I don't think if we turned up at a Dairy NZ one, I don't think they'd be open to our, our ideas because I once suggested to Dairy NZ, why aren't you giving farmers all the alternatives and letting them decide who, what way they want mm. to do and all that. They said, oh no, we can't do that. We can only do, we can only um, talk about the products that have been scientifically proven. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And do you guys, are you guys confident and comfortable sharing? I mean, it seems like you are, but, but you know, traditionally there's been a lot of stigma around things like homeopathy and, you know, like we talked about earlier, sort of like this, this concept of, of, you know, greenie or hippie or whatever you want to call it. But what I'm hearing is like, it's like a no brainer and it's, it works. So, I mean, are you feeling like you can share, you know, openly about it, or do you still feel judged, or what's that like in the in the communities? It, we probably felt judged the first maybe five years, I guess, because we only stuck to our own. But now I'm quite openly, you know, I will have a discussion with people that are conventional if, if it really came down to it, and state my stance on the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I guess we're probably more confident now because of what we've been through and what we've seen. And I, I think it's come down to people are, are starting or farmers are starting to look outside the, the dairy and beef and outside the dairy and Z protocol because uh, those two organisations have had yeah had, had the reins on everyone for so long. And I think 
people are starting to realise, hey, there are alternatives out there. And where we were called tree huggers and, and all the rest, um, I think that stigma is starting to lift because we're starting to learn that the environment out there has is, is got a lot to teach us if we only listen. Um, even, even the Maori um, have always known that the trees will talk or the land can talk. So, yeah, so, and I think people are ready to hear it. Yeah, just stopping and <laughs> there's the wee man. <laughs> oh, he's gorgeous. It, it must take courage, right? It's because you've not got the, the big leadership bodies. Well, like when we first went organic, we were going to, um, we were only a couple of women and we thought, right, we've got to get this, got to get this right. Because everyone was watching, you know, there's men on the other, on the other farms around us watching. And so we did get a scientist, um, an independent scientist who showed us where to go for the best fertilizers and, um, and all this. It gave us a little bit more confidence in sort of taking the next step. But most of it's been up to us and, um, and we've, we've seen the results. We've seen the, the animal health. Well, if, if we, we actually, we'd be losing animals, animals would be dying. We wouldn't be, our somatic cell count, well, actually, we're just milking a few over the winter. Our somatic cell count is 120, 112. We don't dry cow therapy. Um, and if we were doing all this wrong, our animals wouldn't be, they wouldn't be what they are. A joy to be with, um, amazing. They smell amazing. So if we were doing it wrong, we'd, we'd be noticing. That's, that's fascinating. So no dry cow treatment? Nope. No. So what does dry off look like? You don't have to get the vets around? Nope. Um, what, what we've actually found over time is as the girls have come away from the AI, the artificial insemination, and from the conventional system, we've noticed they've actually got stronger and stronger. And when we dry off, we do get the odd one that, come, that shows a, a, a swelling. And we just tend to keep an eye on her and just watch her and their own body will actually take it and, and cure it. And when she comes in in the spring, again, we keep an eye on her. Is her cell count going to be high or not? 75% um, of the time, they're fine. They've, they've cured themselves. And are you RMTing in the spring or what does it look like to monitor cell count in the spring? Right. No, no, no high cell counts in the spring. Um, wow. We test them. We test them before before we put them in the bulk vat individually. Yeah. Um, but haven't had any issues. And that's just with a rapid milk test, just the paddle. Uh, well, just the master test. We've got the master the master test, which is I think it's about a thousand dollars. You buy one of those things now, but when we bought it, it was only about five hundred. But um, yeah, that gives us a true indication of, of where things are, and um, and and we keep we we tend to know what animals are going to be prone um, to having a cell count, so we, we kind of keep an extra extra look on them. But drying off is is a dream. But I was actually speaking to um, I think it might have been a vet actually, because when I said that we just don't we don't bring them back to the shed to strip them if they if they're showing a bit of mastitis, we just leave them and they they look after themselves well she said she didn't tell um other farmers that because they wouldn't be able to to handle it and i think she might be right because it's taken us from 06 to what are we 15 years it's taken us 15 years 16 years for the girls to get their dna up to that status where we can say well they can look after themselves now and um but it's not to say we're not monitoring them you've just to be clear you've had the same cows through this time yeah. okay i'm fascinated 
Janet, I want to come back to, um, you mentioned you're just a couple of women and like you opened with just, has it been like something for you that is a disadvantage? Would you say like, what has you say just to women? It probably goes back quite a few years now because when my husband and I were leasing properties, we were at the bank there and I recall the bank manager saying, no, 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 because Neil, Neil said, oh, well, we'll just, just put the, the girls' names on it because they're doing it all. And they said, no, 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 we can't do that. It's got to have a man's name there as well. And so I guess that's kind of kind of stuck in my, my mind for, for, you know, generations. And being woman, we're not as strong as, as the male, male species, I might you say. But then we found alternatives on how to do things. Like we don't, we don't rip shit and bust. We'll take our time and um, read the situation. Many a time we've had to drag a cow out of the, out of the creek with a train and chain in the tractor or... Mm. Um, yeah, well, we still do it. We still do it. Um, cows are stuck yeah. in, in the herringbone. They they jump the rails. Yeah, yeah. We, we still get them out of there. So, um, but I guess yeah, we're not just a couple of women. We're we're probably the first, the first that actually went down this this track. And um, yeah, we st we still got the the male farmers looking over the fence. I know we've, we've actually, when we do get in the bed, it's only maybe once a year and it's usually to diagnose something that we're unfamiliar with. And um, and so we only want the vet there to diagnose the situation. They get they get their tail between their legs as they're sort of going out the gate. Oh, hell, we didn't, we didn't actually leave them an injection or, oh, hell, we didn't leave them any product. And so, yeah, we, we still do get the odd one. <laughs> so. so that there to most, you would say, is the... The difference between doing a job properly and not is whether there's product left behind. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they, they like to leave their product behind. So, um, yeah, we, we just get them to diagnose. And then, like, even if they say they, this cow needs antibiotics, we say, no, no, it's fine. We, we can deal with it. And they say, no, but you, you're going to have to need it. Oh, no, no, we're fine. We don't need it. And um, I think they're getting used to us, but because we only see them once a year, it's quite often the new vet that'll be on the on the routine anyway. So um, we've got to reskill the next one. What's it like, Janet, having to have that conversation where it's like, no, actually, I don't need that. Is it tough? I wouldn't say tough, but it's it's it is a challenge because this these people have been through what seven years of university and that they've done all this training so and here we are putting them down and I guess that's not something I really um like to do to anyone but is it really putting them down though Janet um saying in, no in some ways yes because how can I how can I have as much knowledge as them and it took them seven years to find it and I've I'm just walking on their beat and saying hey I've, I've got a better better solution wouldn't you think they'd they'd actually be aware of all these other ones? I don't know um, that, and like we've only just met, well, you know, we've met briefly in the past and passing, but I, I highly, I, I can't imagine you saying yours is better. <laughs> no, I, I say it very, um, yeah, um, diplomatically. Yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> got it, yeah, it's, it is, yeah, I get it, it's tricky. Mm. And... It's important. It is. It is important. It's, it's a bit, 
it's a bit like we've sort of got to watch protocol as well. Like another another avenue is actually dehorning animals. We don't dehorn our animals, but we at the age of what are they about fifteen months? Yeah, we we just take the sharp tip off. We're, like they're not actually dehorned. They're just just the sharp tip. We take the sharp tip off. So all our girls when they they come in as R2s or and they're in the herd, they've all got horns, um, but they're not. They're not out and dangerous. Some of them are coming back to the head. Some of them are coming forward, but they're quite blunted. And um, and yeah, so we, we don't dehorn, but um, we're thinking now, well, in our mind, we're not dehorning, but maybe maybe it's a very fine line there. Yeah, but like tails, eh? And, and mm -hmm. well, they banned that many many years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What about shed hygiene? How does that go with being organic? Is there just simple replacements for products like XY12 and? Yeah, no, there's there's no actual difference with shed hygiene. It's all the same, even though I think BioGrow and Assure Quality, um, I know we use Agmax as cleaners and uh, I think uh, BioGrow and Assure Quality do try to point um, their certified suppliers to that kind of a product because I think some things that are not in there which are in the others so but other than that it, it doesn't change it's still the same what the effluent system tell us a bit about your effluent we've got this little chirper in the back that's just not giving up <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you guys are able to still be here is just incredible so honestly don't worry at all about the wee fella yeah. he's not interrupting at all oh cool now, as far as effluent goes, it's just the normal. We actually put it on the on the field, just the same as everyone else. Um, and saying that, um, the other day I sort of got a, sort of a, a inkling in my mind. I thought, now, just how many cowpats are in the yard when we've got the herd in? And I've counted it over probably about two or three months, and I've worked out the average is only about fifteen cowpats per milking. And if we're milking three in two days, that's not a lot of cow pets that's actually going into the into the pond. It's another new avenue I'm sort of looking at. The other thing is we know that our girls are quite healthy and um, healthy and, and we're doing the right thing is because the dogs enjoy eating our cow pets. In fact, they can't get enough of their cow pets. And the fact that you can count them and that the dogs have to eat them and not drink them. <laughs> That was me a lot about the animal health in itself, just the, with the consistency. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be the perfect pavlova. That's what I've been told by my peers. It's got to be the perfect pavlova. <laughs> That's how you know your animals are doing well with their, with their gut health. Pavlova yep. pets. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Tell us a bit about, Janet, your roles off farm. Okay, off farm, um, I'm, I'm presently the, uh, the chairman of the Organic Dairy and Pastoral Group short uh, ODPG for short and um, it's my third my third year as chairman there and um, yeah it, it keeps me out of mischief we've, we've tried to expand membership and get into the the hardcore farmer who because who, we do have a lot of the answers if they're willing to look but because we sort of I feel personally that we're stigmatized by the word organic um, I think people are still a bit frightened to actually venture that way. So yeah, that's one of my one of my um, pastimes at the moment. So the other pastime, if, if anyone's interested, is I am an author. So if you can see this, oh, it's got the light on it. Uh, yeah, this is my book that I, 
I actually um, wrote back in 2016. And um, you have been given a gift and it actually tells, informs everyone about my journey and how we've actually um, discovered a lot of these remedies, a lot of these alternative ways of, of actually farming. So yeah, so that, that's a bit of what I get up to. You have been given a gift. Yep. I wonder how many people don't realize that. Well, this is it. I didn't know until I actually started writing this book down. I won't tell you how I managed to get the title of it, but to actually read it, you have been given a gift. Um, yeah, we have. We've, we've got the gift of living with nature and, um, and farming with it and, yeah, and listening to it and smelling it and tasting it. And Yeah, I really get that for you guys, this is not a formula. Well, no, I guess it's not a it's, it's not a formula that everyone's used to, but it's a formula that is very doable, very satisfying, very relaxing. Also, we tweak it all the time, though, so mm. it's not constantly the same. Well, sorry, yeah. I should have used the word recipe instead of formula. <laughs> it's not a recipe that you follow. You're tuned yeah. in, you're observing, you're listening. Mm. Yeah, we, we've only got some of the answers, um, and like my peers before me. They'll admit they've only got some of the answers that they're finding new ones all the time. I know when biodynamics was introduced to me, I thought, my gosh, I'll never go, never go to that. I don't understand it. It's too far, too far out there. But now the further we get into organics, the further it actually um, is feasible. And with this situation the world's in at the moment, I'm astounded by the uh, frequency that's um, that named Rudolf Steiner, who was behind the biodynamic movement, how his name has come up and um, how people are actually turning to that way to to try and, yeah, and try and feel the spiritual connection back to the land and back to how we should be educated, how we should have our medical systems. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing journey. So now biodynamics has come coming to the fore again. You're open to it, and so now it's not such a big thing to swallow. Mm, mm, exactly. What's it like farming with your daughter, Janet, while, while Carla's out tending to the wee man? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's a gem. She's an absolute gem. We do call, our, call ourselves names now and again. We have the odd, the odd tip once every six months just to clear the air. That's right, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's only six months, eh, hey, Carla? <laughs> But no, it's, it's, it's cool. It's everyone cool. gets heated and everyone gets frustrated with things that go wrong. So it's yeah. just normal. And you guys, no doubt, get, you know, what, I can, what I can hear without you guys saying it is that there's nothing wrong with that and you give each other space to do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, there's, it's actually quite a special relationship. Um, I quite often, I'll be at the shed while she's bringing the cows and I'm thinking now, I wonder if she'll remember to, to do this or to do that. And, and um, so telepathically, I'm, I'm out there telling her to, to go and, I don't know, pull the ragwort or turn the pump on or do mm. something. And um, she'll come to the shed. She's already done it. So, Regarding roles and responsibilities, is it just you just work together or is, is one person responsible for some things and, and not other things? Or how does it work? Well, pretty much work together. With me being younger, I, I, I obviously, if there's a cow needs drenching or ear tagging and stuff like that, that's my thing. But everything else is pretty much 
I think what, I what think, mum can do, I can do, or vice versa. Yeah, but I think I think it's got to the role where she's doing a lot more out in the in the paddock, than, and I'm doing more of the um the, the cow shed and the cleansing and that maybe. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, I think that's I, I think that's slowly just the way changing it's a little bit, but mm. it's pretty much you know, yeah we work together. Mm. And with family life as well, like a, a good, you know, supporting, I can see that, you know, probably it really works. Yeah, no, it does. Um, I'm happy that the boys are with us all the time because, um, yeah, like um, we, I manage and, well, my mum helps me. We um, homeschool our 12-year-old. So, yeah, no, it's great. And my partner works in Kiri Kiri. So, yeah, it, it all works. It just somehow works. That's inspiring for me as a father. Let's and I have to ask, what's the wee fella's name? Uh, that's Lucas. Lucas. <laughs> <Keep> going, <"Mummy." laughs> yeah, I asked him if he wanted to sit on my knee, but he's like, no. Picture your painting is one that to me is inspiring. It leaves me with, I wonder if I knew this when I was dairy farming, whether I'd be bold enough and and willing enough to hear it as as something that can be that can be done. The, the questions that I ask you guys really do come from my historic viewpoint as a as a dairy farmer and having all of those judgments about you know organics being the greenies and all that stuff. Like it really takes something to be open to hearing it. I think the reason, well, the reason why we went organic is because we were hitting a brick wall. We were sick of hitting that brick wall, and I guess. Until that farmer or that person finds that brick wall, they're not open to it. You could yeah. probably preach it as much as you like, but until they hit that personal point, they won't hear it. Well, and the great thing about this is it's not preaching either. Like this here is a conversation. It's it's not like, hey, this is what you have to do, or this is what is the best or the only way to do things. It's just sharing your story, which in yeah. itself... I don't know if you guys realize this can be equally as powerful as a brick wall. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Then it's yeah. a choice. It's people's yeah. choice. Anyone that's yeah. hearing this, if they're thinking, oh, that, that could be worth having a go at, you know, it's the, up to them to choose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's where the, um, yeah, like I said, said before, Dairy NZ and that have come, come up to their brick wall because they have lost a lot of um, followers in the last few years. Um, yeah. That they haven't shown, everyone what is available or they haven't researched what is available um and and that's that's there's so much knowledge out there i know in odpg there's so much knowledge mm. and everyone's so willing to share it's mm. it's amazing what do people do if they want to get in and learn a bit more about odpg well we're under uh www.organicpastoralco.nz i think we are under which is a little bit different to the namesake but um basically just to go on the website and have a look are you guys open to showing people around the farm if they're interested in coming to see you yeah. guys? Yeah, no, anytime, yep. anytime. All right, I'm going to hit you both with the final question. That is, if you could say something to someone that's just starting their journey out, after everything you've discovered on your own journey, what would you say to that person? I'll let you go first, then you can take Junior for a ride. Um, never give up because you'll eventually hit that right, that answer for something. Um, and don't be afraid to try everything. Someone says it's not going to work. Well, it doesn't mean it's not going to work for you. Listen to the animals. If the animals are happy and healthy, then obviously doing something right. Yeah, just don't forget the animals are your scientists. The animals are your scientists. Hey, my science has been peer-reviewed by hundreds. <laughs>
<laughs> that is awesome, Carla. I love it. And I just have to say too, uh, incredible at, I've just been watching this whole, uh, this whole podcast is you are so calm with, you know, the little ones, you know, for me, I find it so hard when my young ones are, you know, at me and it's like, I, I, I get, you know, a bit of a light sweat on and I'm not present, but you're just like so present and so, it's, it's I'm trying to be deaf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. So if you take him out now, I can take yeah. mine. <laughs> yeah. nice Thank to you, Carla. You. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> okay well for me you've got to go with your gut feeling and you've got to um keep your mind open and and just be in touch with with nature be in touch with the life force the life energies that are all around us just use your you know your gut's never wrong if it's your, if your gut feeling tells you that that animal's sick well your gut will tell you it's it, it'll be correct we had an animal many years ago We'd finished milking, but this one cow came back to the shed. And I thought, well, that's a bit weird. Um, but anyway, she came back to the shed and she turned around and went back to the, the paddock. And that evening, she had milk fever. She was telling me. That wasn't just race out there, get back to your paddock. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah, listen to your gut. Janet, thank you so much for being here on this podcast. Thank you so much for what you do in the world for everyone for agriculture in New Zealand you know for humankind really what you're doing is incredible so thank you so much Janet no thank you very much and thank you to, to you Jono and um yeah all the best awesome take care cheers this podcast was supported by MPI's productive and sustainable land use extension services fund the information, opinions and ideas presented in this podcast are for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. Any reliance on the content provided is done at your own risk. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Quorum Sense podcast. Subscribe, share, and if you have any comments, questions or topics you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at quorumsense.org.nz or visit the quorumsense.org.nz website where you can also access past episodes. We hope you have an enjoyable week and that you've got something of real value from this podcast. Be sure to join us for the next exciting episode. We'll see you then.